Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. I think most of us have probably seen the picture of the um, ape to human uh, evolutionary transition that shows these um, an ape on the left-hand side and then there's sort of a more upright standing ape and then there's sort of a, an ape-like man standing and then there are some uh, more human-like man uh, standing and then there's the human at the end. It's really an iconic picture. I mean, it would be in most evolutionary textbooks, if not all of them. Um, it's you know heavily promoted. I mean, it's even, that the picture is so ionic. It's even used in advertising and uh, for products and and so forth. But really, there's no scientific basis for that uh, picture. But yet, that picture clearly portrays, and we know the saying, a picture's worth a thousand words, the uh, supposed transition, evolutionary transition from apes to humans. But um, it's, it's quite fascinating that a lot of research has now been found about the, the various fossils that are represented in that picture. So on the left-hand side, we, we have an, an ape, uh, which is sometimes uh, referred to as proconsul. Um, then we have a, um, a, a fossil, uh, a, a representation of a fossil species nicknamed Lucy. Um, and then we have um, an artist's impression of another uh, fossil, Homo habilis. And then we have um, another one, the next one is Homo erectus. And then we have uh, the Nathanderol uh, man and then Homo sapiens or modern humans, so-called. And um, But, you know, when we look at the, the evidence for this, um, it's just not there because, okay, we've got humans. We know humans. But we've now found that out and, and a number of uh, papers have found that recently – that Neanderthals, um, they made tools. They even made musical instruments. They um, wore jewellery, made, made jewellery. And in actual fact, their brain size was bigger than ours. And so really, the Nathandrol man was just a man. He, he was a human. Um, and similarly with Homo erectus, they've, they've found out now that Homo erectus um, also made tools. Um, he had language. Um, he even made boats, um, and so and and did art. And so well, again, um, Homo erectus was a man. He was he was a human. Um, when we come to Homo habilis, um, a number of reports on this, it seems that this is where paleontologists have put all the, the fossils that they haven't been able to link with, well, not all the fossils, but fossils they haven't been able to link with sort of the evolutionary progress. And a number of commentators have essentially said that it's the, the fossils that are supposedly for this particular creature are just a mixture of human and ape bones because when we go to the next one down, 
which is commonly referred to uh, Lucy, um, the Africansis uh, uh, species, um, we know now that that was just a type of ape. Um, so that's been clarified, that she was an ape, and of course we have an ape. So essentially the picture should just be apes and humans. Uh, the intermediate species are not evolutionary species from apes to, to humans. And um, I know some of you might be saying, OK, well, that's the assertion. Uh, uh, what's the evidence for this? I was actually watching recently a very good presentation on this that you can find on creation.com. So if you Google creation.com and go into their search engine and do a search on... Um, Ape to uh, human transition uh, or transition from ape to human, something like that. Um, a little video will come up. It's only about three minutes long. And if you uh, play that video um, and you watch the screen carefully, they actually put up the references to the uh, scientific literature such as PLUS One and so forth where the, uh, the evidence for this is reported. So we have that, um, you know, really powerful evidence there. The other thing is, too, that um, we one of the things that evolution depends on is these intermediate species. And we've just shown, well, hang on, really, there aren't intermediate species between apes and humans. Um, and it's the same for the whole supposed evolutionary tree. The intermediate fossils showing the, um, the transition are not there. There should be millions of them, but they're not there. And so one of the things that um, you know, evolutionists try to claim is, well, the uh, fossil record isn't complete. Well, it's, it's interesting, and as I said, ever since Darwin wrote The Origin of Species, ev evolutionists have regarded the fossil record as vastly incomplete. And we know the fossil record is the actual record of the past life in which evolution had occurred. It should be obvious. And um, it's interesting that Darwin himself believed that the fossil record should be full of transitional fossils. And he blamed the lack of such uh, fossils on the imperfection of the fossil record. So, well, you know, what he said was, I, I guess we haven't exported, you know, everything. But actually, there is a um, uh, a quote um, in uh, Darwin's book, uh, Origin of the Species, by means of natural selection of the preservation of favoured races in the struggle for life, um, in the sixth edition. Um, the um, of uh, published by Mentor Books um, on pages two eighty seven to two eighty eight, um, and this was a nineteen eighteen seventy two edition. Um, Darwin essentially wrote, or he, he did write, but just in proportion as this process of extermination has acted on an enormous scale, so must the number of intermediate varieties which have formerly existed, be truly enormous. Okay, so he's saying that just if we've got all these different types of species, the intermediate varieties should have been truly enormous. He then goes on. Why then is it not every geological formation and every stratum full of such intermediate links? 
This is Darwin. This is what Darwin wrote. Geology assuredly does not reveal any such finely graduated organic chain. And this perhaps is the most obvious and serious objection which can be urged against the theory. The explanation lies, as I believe, in the extreme imperfection of the geological record. So did you get that? Uh, It's really fascinating. That's what uh, Darwin wrote in his book, Origin of the Species. Um, And I'll read it again because it's so important. Geology assuredly does not reveal any such finely graduated organic chain. In other words, you know, um, whole gradual change of organic entities slowly changing. And he admits that this perhaps is the most obvious and serious objection which can be urged against the theory. You know, the fascinating thing is that um, modern geologists uh, say exactly the same thing. Um, In my book, Evolution Impossible, uh, 12 Reasons Why Evolution Cannot Explain the Origin of Life on Earth, on page 88, I wrote um, that um, the sudden appearance of fully formed species in the fossil record without apparent evolutionary ancestors and mutant intermediate species is a major problem for evolutionists. For example, Dr. David M. Rapp, curator of geology at the Field Museum of Natural History in Chicago and past president of the Paleontological Society in the US, of course, observes that present-day geologists do not actually find the gradual unfolding of life in the geological record. Instead, they find species appearing in the geological sequences very suddenly, showing little or no change during their existence in the geological record, and then they are no longer found. So that's why I wrote in my book published back in 2012. And it's interesting that that reference was uh, by uh, David Rupp, and it was in a uh, an article, Conflicts Between Darwin and Paleontology, Field Museum of Natural History Bulletin 50, 1979, pages 22 to 29. And it's interesting that a number of other uh, top paleontologists um, are noted by other scientists. Um, For example, on page 89 of my book, Evolution Impossible, I write, for example, Dr. Opp's observations are also noted by the scientists. For example, flying organisms fall into four main groups, insects, flying reptiles, and putosaurs, now extinct, of course, birds and bats. Flying is a highly specialised function requiring many features besides wings, so we would expect gradual evolution of flight to leave some evidence in the fossil record. However, insect authority Dr Robert Wooden from the University of Exeter notes that when fossils, insects appear, first appear in the geological column, flying is fully developed. And of course I point out this requires a huge amount of new purposeful genetic code to somehow suddenly arise as a result of random, random mutations. And um, this uh, as an article, uh, this uh, was cited from an article by uh, Robin Wooten uh, called Flight Arthropods um, in uh, uh, Paleobiology, a Synthesis, uh, which is a book published um, um, by Oxford uh, back in 1990, pages 72 to 75. Um, 
So, uh, you know, um, here, here again, a, a, another University of Michigan-trained zoologist, Dr. Adrian Roth, who served as the editor of the journal Origins for more than 20 years, points out that flying predators, birds and bats also suddenly appear as fully developed flying creatures in the fossil strata. And, you know, I argue a, a large number of major anatomical changes are needed to develop flight. You know, for example, in birds we have hollow bones reinforced with cross members to reduce rate yet retain sufficient strength. Um, they have a specialised respiratory system that enables air to be directly fed into air sacs, connecting the heart, lungs and stomach. And um, I point out that these changes would have all required huge amounts of new information in the genetic code to somehow arise from random mutations. But again, there's no evidence in the fossil record of the transitional mutants that should have formed. And so here, you know, we and... Um, in my book, uh, I have a whole chapter uh, discussing uh, these missing fossils and their um, sig- uh, significance. Um, and of course, it, I reference it to the uh, to the secular uh, published scientific literature. It's interesting that you know Darwin's argument that the fossil record is therefore incomplete um, it continues to be used as an excuse. Uh, for instance, the renowned evolutionist Stephen Jay Gould wrote, all paleontologists know that the fossil record contains precious little in the way of intermediate forms, that is, transitions between major groups that are characteristically abrupt. Gradualists usually extract themselves from this dilemma by invoke, invoking the extreme imperfection of the fossil record. So this is the argument that they have to have um, you know, it, it, it's fascinating that um, Gould and uh, uh, wrote um, that, of course, in his book Panda's Thumb on page 189. Um, but it's interesting, um, another uh, top paleontologist, current paleontologist, S.M. Holland, um, writing in the Journal of Paleontology uh, back in 2017, um, it was um, volume 91, number 6, pages uh, 1315 to 1317. Um, and Holland is you know, a recognised world authority. Um, this He writes, Our exaggerated emphasis on the imperfection of the fossil record feeds the perception among scientists in general that the fossil record is an unusually poor data set. It isn't. We already know much about the structure of the record. Um, and it's interesting that um, Holland recommends that paleontologists should not emphasise the incompleteness of the fossil record anymore. Um, and um, it's uh, it, it, because really when you think about it, <laughs> we, we've been digging up uh, the, uh, mining and drilling holes you know, since Darwin's time, for 160 years. Um, and it, it's interesting that, um, you know, Holland, who um, um, published a, a major uh, paper on this, um, wrote in, a, in another place, um, through her incomplete 
examinations of live dead comparisons, Susan Kidwell showed the fossil record contains a high fidelity record of species richness and especially abundance of pattern of both unexpected abundance, a pattern both unexpected and both um, uh, welcome. Um, and uh, he also writes, as paleontologists, we have an extraordinary data set at our disposal and we have the expertise to understand it. We have something that no other field of biology has. Um, time, deep time, well, they believe they have deep time, uh, and we need to play to that strength. We have access to worlds far different from our own and so forth. Um, and, uh, but it's quite uh, clear that uh, and this and Holland is essentially saying, look, we've got all this data there. The major problem is that the intermediates aren't there. And um, yeah, a creationist geologist Michael Ord uh, recently wrote, uh, scientists have had more than 160 years to collect fossils. Evolution should be obvious within the fossil record by now. Stephen Holland points out that the fossil record is imperfect in a sense, but really nearly complete. So it is imperfect in that it did not record every organism that ever lived. So all data sets are incomplete. And he believes we need to take a, a different path. Or goes on to, um, you know, quote more of uh, Holland. And he says, Holland contends that instead of concluding as do many of, that the fossil record is not worth considering, scientists should embrace it along with the sedimentary work, sedimentary record and work with it. The fossil record is better than most scientists recognise. Um, since, and Holland, quoting Holland again, we know much about the structure of the fossil record. And so Ord points out not only do paleontologists know the structure of the fossil record, but also that it provides a good record of species richness. This is, uh, you know, when we look at it, the fossil record, um, you can't, we can't say that the fossil record is really incomplete. I mean, it's incomplete that we haven't discovered all the fossils, as they point out. But it's not incomplete that we don't have a picture of what those fossils are trying to tell us. Um, it's, it's interesting that um, uh, Jerry Bergman, another creationist, in his book uh, Fossil Forensic, Separating Fact from Fantasy in Paleontology, uh, which was published in 2017, uh, Bergman writes, I agree that paleontologists and scientists in general need to embrace the fossil record and accept the fossil record for what it is saying today. But doing so raises a conundrum for, evolution, for the evolutionist. The higher the fidelity of the record of the fossil species' richness is, the less evolutionists can appeal to the incompleteness of the fossil record to explain away the morphological gaps between the fossil taxa. If the fossil record is so good, why have these gaps not been filled after 160 years or more of collecting fossils, if evolution is really true? The lack of intermediates, the gaps, are not only real and universal, but they are even more glaring 
after so many years of digging up fossils. And this is a very important point that uh, Dr. Jerry Bergman is making, that we've been digging up fossils for a long, long time now. And so, and in particular, evolutionists have been on their eye out to find any intermediate species they can. It's so important to them. And there's a handful of fossils that possibly could be argued as being intermediate. But that, that's a pittance. There, there should be millions of intermediate fossils. matter of fact, the intermediate fossils should be almost as abundant, if not more abundant, than the fossils of the fully formed animals when you think about it in terms of the evolutionary processes through lots and lots and lots and lots of mutations to produce the changes. You know, it's interesting that a, a, another scientist who doesn't claim to be a creationist, Dr Michael Denton, documented uh, that a 100,000 taxon-defining novelties, that's little changes, are not led up to gradually from uh, some antecedent form and which remains invariant after their actualization for vast periods of time. So what he's saying there is that um, the... Uh, although we do see these some changes, these changes actually don't lead gradually up to some new form from some earlier form. Um, and and these um, they might make small changes, but the basic change stays uh, the same. Um, and, uh, of course, Denton wrote that in his book uh, that was published in 2016 called uh, Evolution, Still a Theory in Crisis. Um, of course, his original book, Evolution, A Theory in Crisis, published, I think, back in the 80s. Um, but, um, again, so, uh, I, yeah, maybe I haven't got the date quite, but it's a famous book, Evolution, A Theory in Crisis by Michael Denton. But he put out another book in 2016 and on page 53, you know, he points out the same problems still exist today. Um, so we have these glaring universal gaps in the fossil record um, that should easily be enough to reject evolution. But paleontologists and many other scientists rarely draw this conclusion. Why? Because they have to cling to evolution. They need it. Um, it's interesting, though, that the fossil record is a nearly complete due to the flood burial. I mean, the reason why we don't have these intermediates is that there weren't any. Evolution didn't occur. And the flood buried the pre-flood world. And uh, we would expect the sudden appearance of fossils followed by Stasius, unlike what is expected for evolution. Therefore, we'd expect the fossil record to be complete. Um, this is what Michael Ord writes, except for a small number of new fossils being discovered every year. And these fossils do not change the nature of the fossil record. It contains the universal gaps between those species uh, that can be explained by creation. Um, in fact, the fossil record is just what is to be expected from the creation of kinds in Genesis 1. And, you know, the, the other interesting thing is, of course, that scientists um, don't really um, know the, um, you know, really haven't got an explanation for the massive extinction events. Um, 
Holland writes in his paper in the discussion of a major paper that he wrote looking at mechanisms to explain how fossils form. He writes, with the exception of the end Cretaceous extinction, all of the big five mass extinctions, as well as the Cambrian and Sonomian Tellurian extinction, have similar uh, stratigraphical expressions. Where only depositionally updip sections are available, all are characterised by a single major cluster of large occurrences that is closely associated with a major flooding surface. So, you know, we know that, um, you know, um, evolutionists claim that there were five major extinction events, um, and um, but really, this all you know fits in with just the uh, the picture of the um, of the flood, and it's interesting that um, in, in his paper, uh, the stratigraphy of mass extinction, um, Holland, which was published in um, July two thousand and fifteen um, in the journal uh, Paleoontology, uh, in July twenty uh, first July two thousand and fifteen. He goes through a number of possible scenarios to explain how the fossils could form. And this is something else to understand that, you know, paleontologists have major problems with explaining how the fossils formed and how they were buried. Major problems. And, uh, you know, he presents a number of scenarios in this major review paper that was only published a few years ago. And so we need to remember that, that the flood explains it all beautifully. Scientists are struggling. And let's not forget, there are no intermediates. The top geologists in the world recognise that the fossil record is not a record of evolution. And yet our textbooks put that up as the main evidence that we have for evolution. And so we need to be aware of that, that in our education system, we've got major things being taught to our students, to our young people, to the public in general that aren't standing up to scientific scrutiny. But instead, the evidence for the biblical account is standing more and more up to scientific scrutiny. Well, you've been listening to Faith and Science. And remember, if you want to re-listen to this uh, program and uh, the references, just uh, Google 3ABN Australia, or one word, .org.au, and um, click on the Listen button, and uh, or radio, and then on the Listen button. And of course, if you've enjoyed these programs, please uh, put the links up on your social media page and uh, mention it to your friends so that more people can become aware of the major fallacies um, about the origin of life that are being taught in in our education system today. I'm Dr John Ashton. Have a great day. been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio. G'day, my name is Pastor Stephen Teal 
13 years ago, I read my Bible and I was looking for answers. I tuned into 3ABN Australia Radio and found the answers I was looking for. Do you want answers? Are you looking for a greater relationship with Jesus? Listen to 3ABN Australia Radio all around Australia or online. Go to 3abnaustralia.org.au and click on the listen button. It'll change your life.